You have 200,000 nerve endings in the, soles of e in the sole of each foot. That's so your brain can feel what your feet are feeling, so it knows how to effectively move your body, effectively, efficiently, enjoyably move your body, starting with your feet, letting them move correctly. If you don't let your feet get that feeling, the brain map literally, de it's called de-differentiates. Basically, the part of your brain that's getting those sensations goes, oh, you're not going to tell me anything? Well, we're not going to listen then. And so it changes the actual shape of your brain and makes it so you can't move as effect effectively and efficiently because you don't have that feedback loop going. We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hi there, and welcome to yet another episode here on the Strong by Design podcast. Hosting today, Coach Chris Wilson, so glad you've joined us. Uh, happy to have all of our return listeners, and of course, any new listeners uh, who have just found the Strong by Design podcast. Maybe you're looking for something new and you've just come across uh, this episode. We're so happy to have you. Uh, we have uh, over 250 past episodes for you to also go and binge listen uh, and, and enjoy so many terrific conversations uh, that we've had with guests over the years. And, uh, you know, this podcast has really become so much fun, uh, so just great enjoyment for me because of all the learning I get to do, all these great conversations I get to have that I ordinarily would not have. Uh, and it's this platform that allows me to selfishly enjoy uh, this information and have these conversations with amazing people from all over the world. But then I get to share these conversations with all of you listeners that get the benefit of it. And we'll just ask you a couple of things to do. Once you're done listening, if you could share this episode with someone, a friend or a family member who could benefit from what you learned today, and you will learn a lot. Our guest is a, a, an incredible man with a very um, interesting story. I just got to know him a few weeks back. And... Um, he's already changing my life, uh, and we'll talk about that. Um, but another thing would be a rating or a review. And I know it's, hey, it's early in the podcast. I, we don't even know if this is a good one or not. But maybe you're a past listener of the show and you've never uh, let us know or given us any feedback. We would love to hear from you what you think of our show, a particular episode, what you'd like to hear from us. So please, any platform you listen please give us some feedback uh, or hit five stars. Uh, we greatly appreciate that because it really helps our show uh, get gain more listenership and, and move up in the ratings. So thank you so much for that. So our very special guest today, Mr. Stephen Sashin, he is the founder cre uh, and, and creator, uh, founder, creator, uh, CEO of Zero Shoes, and I was introduced to him uh, from a very good friend of ours here at Critical Bench, Nick Nilsson, who is the um, the muscle, uh, the mad muscle scientist. Mad, mad scientist of muscle. Yeah, he, he's unbelievable. Um, he has been doing some amazing things over the years. I always find it so entertaining to watch his, his content and learn from him as he experiments in his gym. Uh, but he turned me on to this gentleman 
uh, because he thought, hey, uh, Coach Chris has a balance uh, program through Critical Bench, and maybe he'd be interested in somebody who knows a lot about balance and about foot health and taking care of of a very important part of the body that often is neglected. And uh, it couldn't have come at a better time, frankly. And so uh, welcome to the show, Stephen. It's so great to have you. And thank you for making the time. Uh, I know you're a very busy man for making the time to talk with us. Well, A, it's my pleasure because I've been a fan of Critical Bench for a long time and a fan of what you and everyone else there has been doing. And Nick used to do this thing every Friday. He'd have some crazy-ass workout that he came up with, and our office was right next to a gym. So I'd finish my week. I would go do that workout. Then I would immediately email him and go, damn you, man. Yes. That was awesome. <laughs> you know, I can't get off the ground, but that was great. So it's a pleasure being here. And by the way, i got to say this. If you want people to respond to you and email to you, just ask them something like, you know, tell me which one of the collective behind me is your favorite because you've got such an amazing collection i'm sure that there's a lot of people who are like zooming in to try to figure out what's back there i'm and sure figure out what they could sure. steal away steal from you at some point absolutely right yeah in fact i think one of those might be the one i'm wearing right now i don't know maybe not do you have a 360 behind you somewhere uh, uh yeah there's the 360 oh, there right it is there. okay well i have mine on in blue beautiful and uh this is my new toy my new my new special friend here that I'm, I, I am um, introducing slowly into my life, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Just, Good call. Yeah, Good I'm, call. I'm, I'm doing a rotation with, with this uh, to get used to it. Um, please tell us, because people right now are like, okay, what, wh where are they going? What, I, I, people, I know it's not a sexy topic necessarily, but it's one of the more, you know, when you talk about feet. Although people are actually really drawn to oh, feet, dude, foot health. When I, when, we, when, we, when I started Zero Shoes uh, back in 2009, we were selling a do-it-yourself sandal-making kit. So there was a bunch of videos showing people how to make sandals. They're still out there. So basically, it's 10 minutes of you know staring at my feet. And you'd be shocked, uh, as was I, at the number of uh, emails that I would get from people going, uh, Can you show us some more of your feet, please? Oh, my gosh. So you got the foot fetish people right out of the gate. There there are people who have that. So <laughs> feeder, and, and we could talk about why there is a foot fetish. It's a neurological thing. It's hey, Wait, you want to go there for the fun of it? Let's go there. Let's start with that. Let's start with that. It's, it, it's interesting to me. So uh, there's two pieces to this. Piece number one, when you are developing as an embryo, um, at a certain point, you have little nubs, you know, that are your hands coming out of your shoulders and your toes coming out of your hips, basically. And then that extends into arms and legs. So basically, there's a certain point where your feet are very close to where your other parts are going to be. So... Uh, so there's an interesting connection there, and this was proven by, this is going to get a little graphic, by a guy who had gangrene of the penis, and they had to remove said penis. And it turned out when you remove, when you have an amputation, the nerves remap to the, basically to the nearest thing. So when he lost his penis, the nerves remapped to his feet. Feet. Interesting. So he was... He was stimulated more so than mo most normal people through his feet once that happened. Yes. Wow. So this, now I'm not saying this is the reason for foot fetishes, but could be. So um, anyway, wacky tangent to start, but hey, I'm willing to go anywhere. No, absolutely. It's a very interesting, but I, I, I'll add one quick thing to it. When my dad was a young boy, 12 years old, he, he lost a ring finger on his uh, right hand. Right? No, left hand. I'm sorry. It was it, it was his, the, the same finger that he wore his, yeah, his, his wedding band on. 
And he, it just was a freak accident. And he wore a, a, a ring that had his initials on it when he was a kid. He was goofing off like most kids do. The ring got stuck on something he was swinging off of, and it pulled the finger right off the hand. Yeah, I know. And he went through years and years and years of trying to reattach the finger. When he was in the military, they ended up just amputating it because it would just never quite took well enough. And But what would happen was my dad would get feelings in that finger like he had to scratch the tip of his finger that was no longer there. So he would rub the the other finger next to it to relieve the, the, the feeling and, and take. So it's funny. It is that the nerves ended up kind of remapping a bit, I guess, into the other fingers so that he could relieve the, the itch. Well, this is relevant for feet because you have 200,000 nerve endings in the soles of and the sole of each foot. That's so your brain can feel what your feet are feeling. So it knows how to effectively move your body effectively, efficiently, enjoyably move your body, starting with your feet, letting them move correctly. If you, uh, if you don't let your feet get that feeling, the brain map literally, de it's called de-differentiates. Basically, the part of your brain that's getting those sensations goes, oh, you're not going to tell me anything? Well, we're not going to listen then. And so it changes the actual shape of your brain and makes it so you can't move as effect effectively and efficiently because you don't have that feedback loop going. So similar to your dad, if you taped your first two fingers together instead of getting rid of one, your brain map would go, oh, you've only got one finger there instead of two? Well, we'll act like there's only one finger then. And if you, you can remove the tape and you wouldn't be able to move them independently, and it would literally feel just like one giant finger. Now, luckily, your brain is wired, built to have two fingers, to feel things from your feet, to respond to that accordingly. So you can get that uh, experience back when you let your feet get the stimulation that it needs. And which, by the way, just to come back to the first thing you said of where are we going, for this audience in particular, but for all human beings, really, let's just start with a couple simple facts. This is about uh, strengthening your foundation. This is about having strong, flexible, supple, responsive, healthy, happy feet. This is about strength. Strength starts with the feet. You ask any power lifter, whether you, even you know guys who are setting a new bench press PR, starts with your feet. So this is about making sure your feet can do their job as well as possible, because that's going to help you for everything else you do, including what you mentioned before, balance also. You know, you squeeze your toes together in a shoe. Here, let's jump in. In a shoe that squeezes your toes together, like most modern athletic shoes do, it eliminates the ability for you to separate your toes and use them independently, give you that extra balance, give you that grip into the ground. And if you squeeze your big toe in, then you can't use your arch properly. So your foot isn't set up to be the strong structure it's designed to be. You know, good deadlifters, they're either barefoot in socks or in something like Chuck Taylor's or Vans or now our shoes, uh, because you know, flat is really good. And then letting, but then the difference with all those shoes and ours is, anyway, I'm pulling out, is zero shoes have this wider foot-shaped toe box so your toes can actually spread and grab the ground better. We, the first time we had somebody put on our shoes and then call me to say they sent a bench press PR, it was like, oh yeah, I just never thought about that before. And then the same thing with squats and deadlifts as well. So feet are your foundation. Most footwear gets in the way of having them function properly. Absolutely right. It's our connection to the earth is our feet. Uh, and it's a very important relationship there. And if we neglect or overlook or don't handle, you know, pain and discomfort, uh, we can get away with that for a certain period of time. And we can, yeah, we can dilute, dilute it with, with 
you know, Advil and it's, Tylenol. Wait, hold on. I'm going to, I got, I, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in on that one because fundamentally what we're ta- going to be talking about a lot is what I call the dumbest science in the world. And it's dumb science because it demonstrates something that we all know, which is use it or lose it. Uh, you know, if you put your arm in a cast, it doesn't come out magically stronger eight weeks later. Same thing with your feet. So when you say, you know, just a little bit, research from uh, Katrina Protopapa showed that if you put arch support in the shoes of healthy individuals, which doesn't let your foot move naturally, basically keeps it like putting your foot in a cast, they lost up to 17% of the muscle mass and strength in their feet in under 12 weeks. So, you know, look, think about astronauts going into space. They don't need to spend very long there before they come back and they need a while to be able to walk again because their muscles have atrophied from not being under the force of gravity. Wow. Yeah, that is something else um, that's when your body just, I mean, I, I think back, and you know, a little side tangent, but we'll come right back on track right after this. I think back to when I was younger in high school and a very good friend of mine that I played uh, high school football with big kid, big strong kid, had bacterial pneumonia. He was in the hospital for you know, ended up being probably for like a week or two, right, until he could was able to go back home. But I remember seeing him after what, what was only I think a period of days, and he looked he was forty pounds lighter, just because he was obviously on all fluids, no food. And he was bedridden. It took months. Absolutely could not believe how many months it took to get him back close to where he was after just a short period of time in a hospital bed dealing with an illness. And that just goes and that's what happens to a lot of people, especially as we get older, when we start moving less and we're 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 taking away with the wrong footwear, our feet's ability, our, our, the, our feet, the, the ability for our feet to really spread out and, and, and connect. Do to their the job. You know, I mean, there, there are three arches in your feet. There's the one that we think of, which is called the longitudinal arch. There's the transverse arch. doesn't matter. But the point is, the, you know, this, this, the design of an arch is an amazing thing. It gets stronger when you put weight on top of it. When it's engaged, it gets stronger by using it. And, and again, supporting anything makes it weaker over time. And so you can be a strong athlete, seemingly. You can be a professional football player, basketball player, and still have really weak feet because you're not using them. And of course, the advantage of having stronger feet is carries through to everything you do. We have some professional hockey players, uh, Olympic hockey players, who said, you know, just from wearing your shoes off the ice, my feet are getting stronger from when they've been weak when they're in my skates where they can't move. And that strength that I'm building just from walking around in your shoes is transferring to my skating, even though I can't use my feet properly in the skates. We have um, a WNBA player who said to me, uh, uh, yeah, my feet and ankles have become indestructible from just wearing your sandals when I'm not actually on the court playing ball. Um, Rocco Mediate, was a golfer, was just shown he's been training in our sandals because uh, it gives him a better connection to the ground, more ground feeling, You know, really understands his posture better. Uh, we have pitchers on the Dodgers who are getting having the same experience. And I'm not trying to be touting us at this point. It's really because all we do with zero shoes is get out of the way to let your feet do what's natural. You know, basically some protection, something to hold that on your feet. That's it. And that's the way that's the way footwear was made for the first ninety nine point nine seven percent of human history. The modern athletic shoe is the intervention for which, FYI, there is zero proof 
that it's effective. I know people are going to argue with me when I say that. And it doesn't matter that I'm, you know, one of the 10 leading experts on this in the world. Um, and there's a lot of research to back it up. People will argue. But um, we can dive into that and have some fun with that uh, as well. But literally, when people have analyzed athletes from the 60s and 70s and said, uh, yeah, it's not the footwear that changed things. It's a combination of things like track surfaces. Jesse Owens, someone did the analysis saying Jesse Owens was barely slower than Usain Bolt if you just put him on a modern track. That's right. Um, uh, Delano Merriweather, who people don't know, he set the 100-yard dash record, uh, world, champ, uh, world record. Hasn't been touched since 1971 when he set it because they stopped doing 100 yards and started 100 meters. But he ran a nine-flat 100 yards, which equates to about a nine eight hundred meters, which would still make him one of the fastest men in the world today. And he was wow. running in shoes that looked more like And that was 1971? Like 71, cover of Sports Illustrated. Wow, that's unbelievable. And I want to get to, because you're quite the runner too, and I want to get there. Gosh, so many questions that well, I have. Wait, before you do, I want to tease something, okay. uh, just yes. for the fun of it. Um, so, you know, just because it's not just me talking about this, just to let people know, we have uh, another guest joining us in, you know, a little bit of time, who uh, he's really going to have an interesting conversation about how strength starts with your feet and where that, how that plays out. Um, do we want to tease what he is? I don't want to give his name yet. No, no, don't give it out. Let's okay. let let's right. let him be a surprise guest okay. for our our. But I listeners. wanted to tease people because it's not just going to be you know you and me as talking heads. That's right. That's right. No, this is this is a re real world uh, uh, impact uh, yeah. at the at a high level, in, which in, is in the truest great. sense of the word. That's right. Yeah, exactly. True sense of the word. No, I re one one thing I want to talk about, which I've talked about a lot in past content uh, here at Critical Bench for years, is is that that gr how important grounding is when it comes to strength. And and I was barefoot for all all of my kettlebell training because why? Because you're more grounded when you're barefoot. So any true kettlebell instructor or expert level master person, they do most of their work in bare feet. Because uh, it just feels better. Well, because, um, you know, what's happening when you're doing kettlebell swings, for example, the, 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 your center of mass is changing very dynamically, very quickly. And you're using your toes to keep yourself from basically, you know, hurling the kettlebell out and following it. So if you don't, if you can't really use your toes and grip the ground, you're going to fall on your face. Yeah, I feel awful doing swings or any of the, the kettlebell uh, core lifts with anything on my feet or, or and I don't like to deadlift with anything on my feet. I kick my shoes off before I pull and, weight. You know, and people are going to say, what about squatting? Well, I need, you know, I need uh, squatting shoes. I need lifting shoes. But my joke about those is two things. One, you're getting weaker when you squeeze your toes together. Two, uh, a lifting shoe is basically just the floor. It's got a wooden plank. It's just a way of elevating someone's heel without having them, you know, put their heels on a plate because that's illegal in competition. And the reason where, where, uh, lifting shoes came, came from is it's basically you only really need them if you have uh, bad bio not bad biomechanics it's morphology depending on the length of your femur your tibia if you're long-waisted short-waisted it's going to change what happens when you get into the hole in a squat and for some people they need that heel lift it's not because of achilles strength or achilles flexibility it's literally just some people if they're flat foot on the ground and they get in the hole they're going to fall on their butt because of just the length of their, their femur versus their tibia, for example. But now it became just this thing where, oh, you need, you need lifting shoes because some guy made those for his unique situation, won some competition, and then suddenly everyone says, well, I've got to wear those, but you don't. 
what works for one does not necessarily work for all or is a, a need for all. Um, listen, um, wait, I'm going I'm I'm to interrupt on that one, too. Please. If it's an intervention, I would say that's true. Yes. You know, it can be that one person needs some special thing to maximize what they're doing. And, you know, let's keep in mind that the people that we often look to, to to see what's possible are these freaks of nature who some of which let's talk about distance runners in particular or even sprinters. Um, some of these people are banking, literally banking on having a career that will end when they're in their early to mid 30s, that they'll have made enough money for themselves or for their family or for their village, and they'll never run or compete again. And we are comparing ourselves to them where they have very different goals. And, you know, my favorite thing is when some 250 pound uh, guy who's, you know, 30% body fat says, well, that marathoner is wearing this shoe. I go, he's a 105 pound Kenyan running a marathon in two hours and three minutes. You're not that guy. But, right. <laughs> but that said, if we're talking about just human functioning, we're all, unless we have some, you know, actual physiological problem, we're all fundamentally the same. So, and I say that because when people say, well, I can't walk in bare feet, really you think that's normal or i have you know my i have flat feet so i can't do something arch height is mostly genetic strength is a different story as anyone listening to this podcast will know so we're basically built the same and in many cases if that guy can do it so can you if you want to so i'm not going to suggest people run barefoot for example but i i have literally never met anyone who couldn't do it successfully with a very small amount of coaching at best um, some people are more adept than others, but again, not saying you should do it, but if someone looks and says, well, that guy can do it because he's got perfect form. It's like, no, no, no. He's got perfect form because by running barefoot, he ended up using his body naturally the same way you would use your body. Cause basically you've got the same kind of body. And that's true. If you're skinny, if you're fat, if you're tall, if you're short, basically things work the same. Well, and we've just all gotten so used to having something on our feet and over the last 50 years that something has just changed and become thicker and more right and just become it's evolved and we've just evolved with it to the point where we believe that without that we are less shoe or we aren't get maximizing our ability yeah. shoe companies have been brilliant at convincing you that you're fundamentally broken despite the fact that their fixes um, have been proven to not work and i know again people are going to argue with me so let me just throw out a quick two two ideas one again um, improvements in performance and reduction in injury just have not occurred thanks to modern athletic shoes Injury rates have been fundamentally the same since about 1974. 50% of runners, 80% of marathoners get injured every year. That has not changed despite all the, quote, advances in modern athletic footwear. Secondly, study that came out from Nike um, uh, right before COVID, so, you know, almost three years ago, actually, that tested one of their, their best-selling, uh, what was it, the Zoom Structure 22, their best-selling arch-supporting, heel-lifting, big-foam, flared-sole shoe against a new shoe they had developed. So the way the results of the study were published and publicized was that the new shoe reduces injuries by 52%, which it did. But then you have to look at the numbers, which I think I seem to be the only person who did that. Uh, in this 12-week study that Nike developed, Nike designed, Nike paid for, but they call it independent because some other lab actually did the study, in that Zoom Structure 22, in 12 weeks, over 30% of the people wearing it got injured. In the new shoe, quote, only 15% got injured. 
So that's like roughly one out of three versus one out of seven. Imagine if I said to you, I'm going to buy you dinner every night this week. You have a choice between two restaurants. One, you're going to get food poisoning probably twice. The other one, you're going to get it, uh, you know, like once. Which restaurant do you want to go to? I mean, you know, if you walked into a shoe store and they said, uh, here's our best-selling shoe, you're going to love it. 30% of the people wearing it are going to be injured within the next three months. Like, oh, no, 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 I don't want that. Do you have something better? Okay, here's one only 15% are going to get injured. Don't you have Ooh. one that makes me healthier? Yeah, we don't do that here. Yeah, we don't do that here. <laughs> wow, that is alarming. Uh, wait, and sorry, obviously, wait, sorry, last thought on that. It raised, yeah. it, also, it raised another question that no one else seemed to ask, is if that new shoe was so much better, A, why are you stilling, still selling that other one? And, and B, what made it better? And their answer was, we removed many of the protective features. That should give you some pause. Now, people will ask, well, then why don't they do what you're doing? Um, I can tell you this is anecdotal, but it, it is true. Uh, we've had, we have a friend who reached out to a number of people that he knew at the corporate level of many multi-billion dollar footwear brands when he was looking to possibly invest with us. And he said, what do you think about this whole natural movement thing that Zero Shoes is doing? And literally every person he talked to said the same thing. They said, uh, oh, yeah, that's totally legit. But if we did it, it would be admitting we've been lying to people for 50 years. Right. Doesn't doesn't look good on their character as you know as an organization over the last fifty years that they've. It's like once you get in so deep in in something, you really it's you can't get out. Um, there's a there's a, a an Olympian and world champion marathon runner um, that I know named Lorraine Muller who. She's from New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand had a coach named Arthur Lydiard, one of the most successful coaches ever. Small country of New Zealand had more world champions and Olympic champions than at, at, at everything from the 800 to the marathon. And Lydiard made his shoes for his athletes, and they looked a lot like ours. And I asked Lorraine, I said, what was the injury rate like for all you guys back then? She goes, what injuries? She says, I never got injured until I got a shoe sponsorship from a big American shoe company. Unbelievable. Wow. Use it or lose it. It's all Use we're talking it or lose about. It. No, we talk about that all the time. And I can go back multiple episodes where that topic has come up. And it applies to all areas of the body, whether it's your brain, whether it's your biceps, whether it's your, you know, your feet. Um, take me back to, you know, 08, 09, the time period in your life where this all kind of came together. And, and how, how, who you were at that, at that point, what you were doing, how did Zero Shoes come? Uh, it was actually 2007 when I got back into sprinting after a 30-year break. I was 45 at the time. And I, I was a sprinter in high school, became an all-American gymnast and stopped sprinting, uh, and then stopped doing gymnastics in my early 30s after I blew out my knee by landing and twisting at the same time and hearing that noise come out of my knee uh, and spent the next 15 years looking for something to do that my body liked. And a friend of mine mentioned that there was a whole thing called Masters Track and Field. And it's like, what? He goes, oh yeah, whole competitive thing all around the world, all the events, including the sprints. Like, seriously? So from 2007 to 2009, I was getting injured pretty much every other week. <laughs> and um, one day I'm hobbling through the kitchen and my wife says, genuinely cu curious, she goes, are you having fun? I said, Oh my God, yes. Right. Other than the injuries, you know, for that <laughs> right. brief right. time between injuries, you know, 
couldn't have loved it more. But then one day, a world champion runner that I know, and living in Boulder, Colorado, that's the same thing as saying my neighbor, because they're everywhere around here. He (laughs) said, uh, why don't you take off your shoes and see if you learn anything from running barefoot? And he handed me a copy of the book Born to Run. So my first barefoot run, I was so intrigued. Now, I'm a sprinter, okay? I run the 100 meters. I don't take these things at the end of the track that are called, um, what are they called? Turns? What? Curve? Turn? Yeah, you kind of go around that that, that turn a little bit. Yeah, I I don't have a GPS watch, so I can't do that. (laughs) So so I run straight lines fast. Uh, So I'd never run more than a mile at one time in my life and did not enjoy one moment of it. But my first barefoot run, and again, I'm not suggesting people do this, did change my life though. Uh, I was so entranced by all the things that I could do and feel. Like what happens if I move my legs faster but run at the same speed? Or what happens if I run faster or slower but move my legs at the same speed? Or what happens if I just run faster or slower? What happens if I land on this part of my foot or that part of my foot? Or, I mean, it was just, I was so, it was just amazing. And I was, we were running on grass and on gravel and on trails and over wooden bridges and on roads. I mean, every surface imaginable. And at the end of this run, which we stopped only because some people said, hey, let's stop, I could have kept going. I said to someone who did have a GPS watch, I said, how far was that? She goes, that was about uh, five and a half K. I was like, I'm sorry, what? I mean, I had no idea. And I could have kept going forever. It was so much fun. Now, here's where it gets interesting. I noticed as I was getting in my car, I had a big blister on the ball of my left foot. Now, I have discovered in the 13 years since then that for many people, if that happened, they'll go, oh, see, this doesn't work. I got a blister. For whatever reason, I thought, huh, my right foot is fine. Why is that? And oh, yeah, my left leg is the one that gets injured more often. So that's interesting. So a week later, my second bear run, I have a gaping hole in the ball of my left foot still. And I'm thinking, if I can find a way to run that doesn't hurt the gaping hole, then I'm probably not doing the thing that caused said gaping hole. So... Let's give it 10 minutes, see what happens. If it doesn't work, I'll wait till the gaping hole is no longer there. Maybe try again, maybe not, who knows. Nine minutes and 30 seconds of agony later, (laughs) something changed in one moment, literally in one step. My running got faster, easier, lighter, more fun, and it never changed. Now, what happened was I discovered, I didn't realize this in the time, that I was overstriding. I was landing with my foot in front of my body. And when you do that, you're putting on the brakes every time you land. And as a sprinter, I was pointing my toes. So I was hitting with the ball of my foot first, putting all that friction on it, and that's what caused the blister. Instead, I started landing with my foot more underneath my center of mass. My core got a little more engaged. I wasn't, I was more of a taut spring than just a slinky spring. And I had my hips over my heels, my shoulders over my hips. Everything was just, it just aligned. Because basically my brain was going, all right, if you're going to make me keep doing this, I'm going to find a way that it's not going to hurt so much. And then it happened. So injuries went away, became faster. I became a master's all-American sprinter. So for men now over 60, um, I'm one of the fastest guys in the country. And that was the beginning. And then I just wanted that barefoot experience as much as I could have it because it was clearly valuable. Um, But I wanted to be able to get into a restaurant without arguing about whether it was legal. It is. And my wife wanted me to not, uh, you know, have my dirty feet on our white carpeting. So I made some sandals based on this 10,000-year-old design idea. Um, that's what I was wearing around. And then people started asking me for some and they told two friends and they told two friends. And one day this barefoot running coach said, I've got a book coming out called barefoot running. And if you had a website for this sandal making hobby of yours, I'd put you in the book. 
Well, I've been an internet marketer since 1992. I rushed home and pitched this incredible opportunity to my wife. I built hundreds of websites. I said, here's this great chance for us to build a website, you know, have this new thing. And she said, horrible idea. Don't be a moron. Do not do that. And I, I agree, honey. I, I, <laughs> right? Exactly. I said, yeah, you're absolutely right. And then after she went to bed, I built a website. So, <laughs> um, she kind that's, of how every, that's how every husband responds. <laughs> exactly. They, so, they understand the feelings of their spouse and they're in, in alignment. <laughs> and then after a little bit more thought and some distance yeah. from that conversation, yeah. we, we come to a different conclusion. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to agree to disagree. So <laughs> she kind of growled at me and I said, look, it'll be a case study for an internet marketing business that we had just started. And maybe in three months, you know, we'll, it'll make a car payment for us. And uh, that's not how it happened. Within six weeks, it was clear that it was going to be our full-time job. And she's a brilliant finance operations person. So she walked in and said, okay, I'm all in. I'm in charge of the business. You're in charge of product and marketing. And here we are 13 years later with a complete line of shoes, boots, and sandals for performance and casual wear that people use from everything from taking a walk to running ultra marathons to powerlifting to, you know, all the sports we mentioned and everything in between. Wow, that's amazing. And are you still based in Boulder? We're between Boulder and Denver. We escaped the Boulder New Age bubble. I haven't had to use the word chakra in a sentence for 10 years. And um, I, uh, my joke, when people ask me about Boulder, I go, let's just say that um, when I go to Whole Foods in Boulder and I'm barefoot, they get upset if I'm barefoot, but they don't seem to have a problem with that woman breastfeeding her dog. So, you know, it's a crazy ass town. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh... Different, different uh, set of standards, you know, all the way around. <laughs> it's a, you I know, it's it. weird. It's New Age Central. It's also like the hub of space physics. There's more astrophysics going on there than anywhere else in the world. Um, and then, you know, a lot, a lot of interesting New Agey things. And people look at me and they think I'm one of those guys. Um, I, I just... I'm not. Just my wife said if I cut my hair, she'd stop sleeping with me, so I'm leaving it the way it is. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. When you have a nice head of hair, man, you got to rock it all all the way to the to the end of time. You know, do it. That's great. Uh, I love it. Tell me more about the technology behind the the, the footwear. Obviously, you yeah. know, I got well. Yeah, show me on yours. I got my shoe right here. I'm going to just show well, it up. So, for what do you, what do you notice see. about that shoe that's different than what you've worn before? So, right, flexible. Well, no, Yes, ultra. I mean, you can't do this with a with a, with a normal piece of footwear like where you just That's, fold it. In here's half. one, and this is not even where your foot bends. Right. So here's super a, flexible. I have, a, I have a normal Adidas sneaker that I, I typically would wear, and that's about that's the. The flexion of that shoe again, not even where your foot bends. Um, Correct. The other thing, you know, so we basically wider foot shaped toe box here. I'll do it. here. You show it off. I'll say it. Wider foot shaped toe box. Low to the ground for balance and agility, so hold it sideways, low to the ground. We don't elevate the heel because that messes with your posture. We don't need this thing called toe spring, which they build in. I'll show it on mine. They build in this thing called toe spring because with all that foam that makes it stiff, if they didn't do that, you'd just be slapping your feet in the ground. Your feet wouldn't work. Flexible like you showed. The soles are designed to give you protection and traction, but also be thin enough to give your brain that feedback that it needs. To know how to move your Obviously body, dog, dog crap, dog, dog hair, dog whatever. Um, <laughs> our soles, actually, you know, running shoes. They say you need to replace them every two to five hundred miles, even less for the super maximalist ones. And uh, our soles have a five thousand mile sole warranty. And you didn't mention my favorite part. That shoe's a little heavier because that one, the three sixty, is built for like cross training, parkour, court sports, etc. So we made the sole a little more rugged. But our shoes are also really light. We've had people uh, just say that they forgot they were wearing them. We, we literally have people say they went to bed with them still on their feet because they forgot they had them on. 
Well, Stephen, they they feel like slippers. Yeah, uh, like a nice pair of slippers, and I don't mean I mean that in a very positive way in terms of. When you put on slippers, you know, it's cold outside and you put your foot in a nice, like, you know, mm -hmm. just feel good, warm slipper. It just your foot doesn't feel like it's restricted in any way that everything can spread out like it needs to. It's comfortable. Yeah. And you forget that that it's on your foot. Same thing. Essentially. And yeah. that's really the I've, I've had the same. I've had these things for like a week and a half. And I'm, I'm, as I said at the start of this, I'm breaking myself into this, as you had suggested, when you're not used to this, the, yes, please talk about that. Well, Why is that? We'll talk important? about that. But I love that you said you're breaking yourself in because it's basically just getting back to being, letting your body function normally and naturally. But the other thing that's interesting about our shoes is they don't take any time to break, they don't break in. They don't need to break in. They're flexible, they're light, et cetera. Um, so again, if you hadn't been to the gym for a while, or let's talk about, you know, the guy from your college or your high school football team, he spent some time in bed. He's gotten us muscle atrophy. He's not going to go back into the gym and just do the same workout he was doing two weeks ago, or for some of us 20 years ago. <laughs> and even though your brain says, I totally can do that. Um, you know, your body is going to disagree with you the next day. So you want to just give yourself Think of it like small doses. You're not going to go do eight hours of bicep curls. You don't necessarily want to go put on a minimalist shoe, a natural movement shoe, and just go all day every day from day one. You don't want to go whatever the opposite of cold turkey is. You're not giving something up. You're changing something. So for running, for example, if you want to learn to be a, quote, barefoot runner, the recommendation is, I say, take off your shoes or wear something like ours. But if you want the most feedback, take off your shoes. Why not? Find a nice, smooth, hard surface. Sidewalk is good. The white line, freshly white freshly painted white line on the side of the road will make barefoot runners start getting all misty-eyed. Um, go for a super short run, like 20 seconds, literally. And then see how you feel the next day. If you're not having fun, do something different till you are. If it hurts, do something different till you're having fun. And the difference, the things you're going to do different are going to be really straightforward. Don't get your feet out in front of you. Don't put on the brakes. Don't land on your heel. Get your feet underneath you and land and basically, if you get your feet underneath you, you can't do anything other than landing either flat-footed or on the uh, ball of your foot or slightly further from there. Think about lifting your foot off the ground instead of pushing your foot off the ground. And then pick up your cadence. Like, don't run any faster, but just move your legs a little bit faster than what you've been used to because it's harder to overstride and harder to push off the ground uh, when you're picking up your cadence a little. And what's really interesting, there's a – I can't find the the – uh, research paper that I saw about this, about cadence, that basically as you start increasing your cadence without increasing your speed, the amount of force that's going into your body gets lower and lower and lower until you start sprinting, at which point it gets very, very much higher. So there's a sweet spot. It's a little different for each person uh, and what kind of you know thing you're doing if you're a two-hour marathoner versus a four-hour marathoner. Uh, but there's going to be a sweet spot where it's going to feel like the you know the best of all possible worlds. You can spot a barefoot runner from 50 yards away. They have this weird look on their face, typically called um, what's it called? Uh, smiling. Oh, it starts uh, with an S. Yeah, smiling. Yeah, yeah. enjoyment. <laughs> Um, so, you know, use fun as your guide is the thing that we like to say. And just, and you know, like, so after you can do 20 seconds and it feels great, add 10 seconds. When that feels great, add 10 seconds. If you're running five days a week, just do this before your, you know, the rest of your run. And eventually when you can do one of those runs, the whole time barefoot because you built up the time, then just start building it up, you know, into your other days as well. Or here's another thing. I should have started with this. Or don't do anything I just said. And here's, here's why. 
Research from Dr. Isabel Sacco showed that if you take a group of runners and have them do an eight-week foot exercise program to build up strength in their feet, they had a 250% lower injury risk over the course of the year-long study compared to the people who didn't do the exercise program. That's point number one. Point number two, research from 250%? 250% fewer injuries. So it was like eight versus 20, to be totally candid about the numbers. Here's another interesting bit of research from Dr. Sarah Ridge. That foot strengthening program that I just mentioned, you can get the same strengthening benefits just from walking in shoes like ours. She didn't use zero shoes in her study because we didn't have them at that time, but she said you should get the same benefits from ours. So you can just walk in minimalist shoes. That builds foot muscle strength. Having foot muscle strength reduced injury risk. Now, I will confess, there is not a study yet showing that just walking around in our shoes will reduce your risk of injury if you're running in any other shoe. But I'm going to let you do the math because the thing in the middle of both of those equations is essentially the same foot strengthening program. So you can use shoes like ours for active recovery, for just walking around in your daily life. And you still want to start maybe with an hour and then build up slowly from there until we have people on their feet all day, every day. Factory workers, hairdressers, uh, doctors, nurses, I mean, you know, anyone who's on their feet all day saying, I've, I feel great at the end of the day for the first time. I come home, I forget I'm wearing shoes. You know, my, everything feels better. So you can get to that point too. So maybe all you do is use these for recovery and building up strength. And if, you're, and if the math seems to work, you know, that could help you for everything else you're doing. Wow. Use That's it or lose it, baby. Fantastic information. And I've been really, just since I've had these on my feet, and I uh, have a tendency with my uh, drop-off with my kids in the morning on the way to school is I park at the library and I walk with them to school because it just gives nice. us extra time together outside, moving before they're seat sitting for hours. And with the, the new 360s on my feet, I was thinking about the conversation that we had a few weeks ago and just my stride length and keeping my feet under my hips. So that what that means is, like you said, it's more, it's more, uh, more steps. So a faster cadence with, with reduced stride length and really trying to think about that a little bit, kind of changing because when I think of someone walking or like I picture a cartoon sketch of someone yep. walking is I see the, the legs way like this and the heel strike, yeah. right? The foot way out in front of them as they're walking, but then your weight is never directly over your feet. No. And if you instead go to places where they don't have indoor plumbing, it looks the exact opposite. They're landing with their feet underneath them and the stride is coming out of the back, which is the same thing when you look at good distance runners in particular. Sprinters do the same thing, but it's easier to see this with distance runners. They're landing with their foot mostly, you know, pretty close to under their center of mass and the stride is all, the leg is all behind them. It's not coming out in front of them. And um, people think that it's about shortening your stride and that's actually not the case because stride length is really the de definition. It's the distance between when your right foot's on the ground and then your left foot's on the ground, for example. Okay. And that's okay. not about whether you're putting your foot farther out in front of you or not. It's just how much force you're putting into the ground at the right angle that's flying you to the next step. So it may seem like your stride's getting shorter because it's not in front of you, but if you're gotcha. actually measuring stride length for the same speed, it doesn't matter if you're barefoot or in shoes or not, same stride length or same speed, same cadence, by definition, we'll have to have the same stride length. It's just that it looks differently because you're not reaching out in front of you. Yes. Okay. So that's more of the, you're absolutely right. And I guess, you know, it's just, it's easy for someone, even with my 
say, limited uh, uh, knowledge the, when it comes to the that. Ma the uh, math, is, the math on... is simple, Chris. You can do the math. So yeah. here, we'll do it this way. If you're running at the same speed, but you pick up your cadence, more steps per minute, without changing your speed, then your stride length is shorter. That's the math. Because speed is stride length times, stri times cadence. So steps per minute times distance per step, that's how fast you're going. So you just alter any one of those variables, the other two have to change accordingly. Wow. But it's, yeah, I, and I've dealt with my own. I, I don't know that I've talked much about this in, in, in the past on the podcast show, because who the heck wants to hear about my foot issues, right? But I've, <laughs> I've dealt You'd be with, surprised. right? I've dealt with, uh, you know, heel issues, like just painful heels and from, and I've always thought it was, oh, it's a heel spur, but I, I really think it's, it's more soft tissue issues really. And just tightness and weakness and inflammation and things caused from footwear, from things I've had on my feet yeah. and, and, and the wrong things and not, not doing enough barefoot and not taking care of my feet enough. Um, and I've recently been, I told you when we spoke earlier, um, besides plantar fasciitis or, or something like that, that I've dealt with, right. Um, Morton's, I've had inflamed nerve tissue on my, on the ball of my right foot where I'm getting a little bit of a spread between my second and third toe. Um, from, and, and so I have inflammation there. I mean, right now I'm actually rolling barefoot i'm rolling a, a a spike massage ball underneath my foot which i do a lot if i'm not rolling a frozen ice bottle underneath my foot just to try and give relief and stuff but i do feel because i've hit a, an age where you know things start to change a little bit in your body as you get near 50 i think and my maybe my foot is flattening out or you know i don't know yeah i'm gonna what yeah. would you say why would why would i all of a sudden be dealing with foot issues when i didn't necessarily have them years ago yeah even though i was a pre-med i'm not going to play a doctor on the internet uh okay. without seeing your feet and looking at how you're moving and all the rest i'm not i can't say anything intelligent uh, so, but what I can say is that some of these issues are cumulative, you know, again, use it or lose it. And if you've lost some things, you're going to make some shifts in how you're moving. You're going to make some, I mean, like, uh, the fact that it's only in your right foot is always very interesting to me. I love when people have unilateral issues because again, my question is what's your other foot doing correctly? Maybe you're just moving in a slightly different way with your right foot that's causing this problem or causing something that's leading to this problem. Hard to say. I have something going on. This is a funny one. I was on the track last week and I was just doing bounding drills and I kind of twisted as I landed and I did something I've never done before. I, I got a, a little muscle pull in what feels like it's at the top of the back of my hip, like the top of my iliac crest. But when I actually palpate around there, oh no, it's coming from my glute. But I feel the pain in a different place because that's where the glute is pulling on the insertion at that at that other spot, the other end. And so um, there, it's not uncommon, even with nerve issues, that where we feel it and where the problem is are two different things. I'm not saying that's true in your case, but it could be. So suffice it to say, um, yeah, this aging thing blows. Uh, the worst problem is not so much getting injured more, because that has not been my experience. I haven't had a significant running injury in 13 years now. Um, nothing, I mean, literally nothing that kept me off the track for more than a week, um, in, you know, feet and legs, et cetera. But um, recovering, getting 
better. That's the thing that takes much longer. That's really, really annoying. And so, but the, and the other last thought I had about um, your injury, I'll be very curious to, or your situation, I'll be very curious to hear what happens as you're playing with our shoes. And I'm not going to suggest it's a medical treatment or this is a medical device, but because you're getting more motion, the stimulation you're giving yourself now with the spike ball, you're getting something akin to that when you're walking in our shoes and can feel the ground and move your feet and you're getting different circulation because your feet can move. I'll be very curious to see what, if anything, changes you know, over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I'll definitely be following up with you as I you know, continue to break myself into this uh, new experience. And um, I have enjoyed it thus far, but it's, like I said, it's only been a matter of maybe um, nine or 10 days at this uh, point. Well, so, and, and backing up to the point you made about, you know, hey, getting older, getting weaker. It is true that as we get older, we, can, we get weaker. Just, you know, I remember seeing Jack LaLanne when he was 90 something and they're showing him bench pressing on a universal and he's like, pushing, pushing. And then you look and he's got 20 pounds on the stack. That's cool. But if you've gotten weaker, you can get stronger. There's, you know, the research, you put 90 year olds in a weightlifting program, they get stronger. They're never going to compete the Olympia, but you know, they get stronger for where they are. You can always maximize your strength for wherever you happen to be. That's absolutely right. No, that's a great takeaway for anyone listening to who feels like I'm at a place where there's no room for improvement. But where where you focus is is where you you make gains. Well, and, and you, you can get stronger. You can get stronger. And sometimes all you're trying to do is maintain. And sometimes all you're trying to do is not get weaker faster. So as a 60-year-old yes, sprinter, right. you know, I'm not going to run a 10 flat 100 ever in my life. You know, right now the all-American time for the hundred is thirteen two. Next year it's like fourteen seconds, or not next year when I'm sixty-five. So you know, the sprinting, the the all-American times for sprinters they stay relatively consistent until you turn about sixty, and then they fall off a cliff. <laughs> and so my goal is not to be hitting the times I was hitting when I was forty. My goal is just to keep hitting all-American times till I die. That's right. That's right. And it's a wonderful thing to just be moving the body. And that is something that I love talking about because movement of the body is really what our brains are designed for. Our brains are ultimately designed for movement of the body in all different capacities. And, you know, obviously balance being part of that and, and, and strength and using all of our senses and, and, and cognitive abilities. And it's, and it really does begin with the feet. Like you said, with all of the sensory information that we get through our feet. Don't we have more sensory information in our feet um, per capita, let's say, than any other part of the body? Uh, definitely not per square inch, and I don't need to be the person to mention where you have more nerves per square inch. Oh, well, yes, okay, that's um, true. Yeah, that we won't be, talk about that well, part of the, the body of, again. It's the back of your hand. What were you thinking of? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I was, I was thinking the nose. Yeah, okay, well, you're close. <laughs> so um, you have more nerves in the sole of your feet than anywhere, pretty much than, other than your fingertips and your lips. Wow. Wow. And, and again, something. for a reason. That's yes. not an accident. You're supposed to feel things. You're supposed to get that information to your brain so your brain knows what to, how to send that information back to all of your body, feet first, because that's where all that balance and agility and mobility starts. Wow. Where, uh, Stephen, can some of our uh, amazing listeners who are interested in learning more about what you're doing with Zero Shoes, where can, uh, where can they go and learn more about your story and see, see your products? 
other than stalking me, which I don't recommend. Uh, the, not surprisingly, zeroshoes.com, that's X-E-R-O shoes.com. Although if you type in Z-E-R-O, it'll still get to us, thanks to the magic yeah, of the Yeah, it'll still get and, to you, yeah. Yes, thanks to the magic of the internet and uh, $1,000. And um, <laughs> also on social media, at Zero Shoes or slash Zero Shoes, wherever you happen to at or slash. That's fantastic. Oh, I really loved it. I mean, after we spoke the first time, I just had fun going through and, and, and locating uh, a pair. Uh, I was very excited to get, and I, I, I see myself getting a few more in some different colors so I can, you know, match my ensembles, you know, because matching is always important. Uh, you know, you got to have the right colors. Um, I wear mismatched colors whenever I wear, and I'm barefoot a lot, but whenever I wear shoes, I wear two different colors. And, um, but because I'm barefoot a lot, this is an interesting situation. Like I was in Costco the other day and I was wearing my mismatched colors and the guy in the pharmacy line behind me says, Hey, your shoes don't match. And the pharmacist without looking up or missing a beat says he's wearing shoes. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Well, it's, Hey, listen, it's good to, um, you really practice what you preach. You know, you're somebody that truly believes that the way we are designed, the way our bodies are from when we're born is really, that's the ultimate, ultimate thing that there, we should try to maintain. There are very few things that demonstrably improve what we can do on our own. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not going to argue that a squat suit doesn't help. It does. Sure, of course because, it does. Because it is helping in a particular way that, you know, you, you can't fake that. Um, but by and large, more often than not, letting your body do what it's made to do and maximizing that is going to be better, safer, et cetera, unless you have some extenuating circumstance for why you want to do something that really, you know, goes crazy. And when it comes to footwear, there's really nothing you can do that we've found yet that improves letting your feet just do what they're made to do. Yeah. Our, our, our special guest that we were hoping for probably just ran into some uh, some scheduling yeah. issues, Wait, that, gonna, and that's okay. It's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention who it is, though, for the fun of it. Um, it's a yeah, guy please. Named, it's a guy named Rafian Stotts, who is a world champion MMA fighter. And um, it's a shame that he couldn't – I mean, he was he's training for a championship fight coming up in December. I know he was training this morning and typically gets done about you know 30 minutes ago from now, and so no doubt – that's what held him up. Uh, but if you come to our website, you're going to find out more about him. We're going to be posting a bunch of things with him. Amazing guy. Uh, you would never think of him as an MMA fighter because he's just like, this, this is a horrible thing to say about an MMA fighter. This is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. So, yes. um, but it, they have, they have the, the right to be very nice because they can get very nasty <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. once they're oh, inside the cage. Well, that's it. When he turns it on, it's like, oh, geez. Um, but when he, when not, you know, he's just, he's just great. And just the, the conversation that he and I have had, he, they, he approached us cause he bought some zero shoes and talked about how much it was a, a, impacting his training. Cause it allowed him to train more and do things while still getting that barefoot feeling that he has when he's in the ring all the rest of the time, building up that foot strength when he's out of the ring is helping him when he's in the ring. And so, you know, we were thrilled when he reached out and said, how can I help? And we went, geez, how can we help? So we're having a lot of fun together and we have a a lot of athletes like that. Jesse Graff, world champion, Ninja Warrior. Um, I mean, there's, there's more and more every day who are calling us saying, this has really helped me. How can I help you? 
Wow, that's fantastic. And that's that's really that's the ultimate um, feedback, isn't it? When you get people that fall in love with what you've done because you've changed their life and now they say, I want to help you out. <laughs> you've helped me out. How can I talk to more people about what you're doing and give them the same experience? Yeah, we could not be more grateful. Um, it really it's, you know, my wife has a great line. She's my co-founder as well. She says, there's, there's enough shoe companies in the world. We don't need another shoe company unless your shoes are changing people's lives. And we literally hear from people all day, every day who say that, if, whether it's just from having something that's comfortable or something that's improving their performance uh, and everything in between, you know, that's what gets us out of bed in the morning. That and wanting to, you know, change the world and get people into footwear that's actually good for them, not just, you know, a sales pitch. There it is right there, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, I got that mirror image thing happening, so I don't know how I'm supposed to move, but I'll just keep it like that. I love this blue because these are our colors here at Critical Bench, blue and, and black. So I had to go with this as my first color option. But again, notice how nice and wide the shoe gets at, at the toe. And I, I feel zero restriction. I feel like I have... It's almost like I have nothing on my feet is, is really the feeling that, that these offer. They're very light, uh, extremely flexible, obviously. I mean, it's just zero effort to just fold the thing. I could put it in my pocket. Um, you, know, you know what's funny about that? When you roll it up, if I take one of our shoes and I show people that you can roll it up into a ball, they go, oh, that's perfect for travel. And I go, well, it's actually better if you just do it flat, but okay. So there's an interesting <laughs> thing that happens in our brains when we see something rolled up that way. Right. But, but you know, but nonetheless, and for travel, we've had people take just our sandals, for example, and say, yeah. I just took an entire trip and that's the only thing that I wore. So I only needed half as much suitcase. Uh, I'm excited because, you know, I'm a Floridian. So, like, I can get to the point here. I see myself in the next year basically only having zero shoes in my arsenal because all I need are some athletic footwear for, for, for working out and running and then some sandals for being around town and just casual living here. And, and so I'm excited. As long as you don't become Florida man. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what that, that necessarily entails. It could be so many things. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's that classic thing of, you know, Florida man and then something insane that usually started with, hey, hold my beer and watch this. Well, that's true. That's that, that there are. And there's plenty of those down here. <laughs> yes. But what's funny is a lot of those um, a lot. Of, well, the, some of them are native, but some of them people flock here from obviously all over the country, which makes Florida interesting. It's a bit of a melting pot because half the people you encounter are not from Florida. But then, but then I remember being in Florida and meeting some older guy and saying, so where are you from? He said, Michigan. I said, how long have you been living in Florida? He said, 67 years. Well, yeah, that's correct. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting to that point. I've, I've just gotten to the point where I've lived in Florida as long as I lived in uh, Connecticut where I'm from. There so it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's funny to, to think, wow, I've been here a long time. But man, uh, Stephen, so, so much fun, so many uh, great great uh, topics uh, to talk about in terms of really maximizing and optimizing your life uh, that we've brought up in today's conversation. I, I, it's, it's just so beneficial. I encourage everybody, just go check it out. Zero Shoes, X-E-R-O Shoes.com. And you can learn more about Stephen and his wife, uh, Phoenix is, is her first name, correct? No, it's actually Lena and, Phoenix is my wife's name. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yes. It's okay. She's not uh, listening. I know. 
It's okay. She's not. She'll never hear it. Don't worry. <laughs> That's great. But uh, now I really appreciate what you've done and continue to do. And in some ways, this is kind of the, the just the start. You know, you've only yeah. this is only 12, 13 years in here. You have you have a lot more to do. Yeah, we're you know, we're uh, still in the footwear world, a small company, what other people think of as, you know, a decent size. Um, but we already know that we have a lot of people anxious about us. It's been, it's been, um, strangely satisfying watching billion dollar footwear companies steal some of my design ideas. And, and, uh, I think the biggest compliment we ever got was when we were a, a company, literally a 10th of our current size. We had a really big order in with a major retailer and one of our competitors kind of competitors. One of the big shoe companies called them coincidentally at the last minute and said, uh, we don't want them in your store. And this is a company that was a thousand times bigger than us. And they were afraid of us. I think that's a good wow. sign. David versus Goliath, my friend. Damn straight. Yeah. Oh, God bless you and what you're doing and how many people you're helping and truly changing lives from the, from the feet up. So uh, continue. We wish you nothing but great success. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do this again in the future. I look forward to it. Yeah. Listeners of the Strong by Design podcast, as promised, another great episode with a, a brilliant man. Uh, truly, we didn't even get into the fact that he was a comedian. Blah, at one blah, point. blah. I can t- <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I can tell by how witty you are and how quick you are with responses. Like, you've, gosh, I could see you up on stage, uh, you know, with, with some great um, – material. So uh, we, we just appreciate you so much for listening to this episode. Please go back, listen to past episodes, share this episode with someone who could benefit from this information. And we look forward to bringing another episode next week, as always on Wednesday when the new episode drops. Thank you so much for listening. Talk with you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, Please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you.